0: The Gospel of Luke chapter 14, and we'll begin reading in verses 25 down to 33. Luke chapter number 14, verses 25 down to 33. For those who brought your Bibles, you can shout amen when you get there. Amen, amen, amen. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned around and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, and children, Brothers and sisters, yes, and even his life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you so much for the power of your word. Father, I pray that as we go into this word, that Lord God, that you would just speak to us and Father, just fill us up, Lord God, with passion and wisdom for life. And Father, and just an enthusiasm and excitement for what you have for us this coming year. God, I am expecting wonderful things to happen to the people of God because, Lord, you're on the throne. Hallelujah. And when you're on the throne, Lord God, and we, you're always on the throne. But when we realize, Lord, who it is that we serve and understand that all things are possible. Father God, we can live with great faith and expectation. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for what you're going to do in and through us this morning. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. A fresh start. This morning, I want to talk to you about formulating a plan for success. Formulating a plan for success. I work out at the gym down the street, Sport and Health. And right around this time of year, and you know, those of us who are normal people that work out on a regular basis, right around, let's say, between around January, February, there seems to be this huge influx of people that come to the gym. And, you know, and, and I get reminded of that because when I come from work, I go to work out and I discover I can't find a parking space. And I'm like, what's going on? Are they having some kind of a party here or, or is it some kind of a major event? Why, why can't I find a parking space? And then it dawns on me, it's January. It's that time of year when people have these New Year's resolutions and they say, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get physically in shape. And you see him in there, and you see these strange people, you walk in, it's like, wow, I never seen all these. I mean, you got to wait now. I used to go be able to just walk over to the elliptical machine. Now I got to wait. And, you know, I'm like, wow, look at this. And, and, you know, and one guy came up to me the other day, he says, he says, uh, he says, brother, don't worry about it because give about another two or three weeks, things will be back to normal. <laughs> And it happens that way every year. You know why? And it's not, you know, when, when we come up with these ideas and we say, you know, because a lot of us, we get these big, audacious goals, uh, you know, this time of year. We come up with these big goals and we say, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's not that we're not being sincere about it because we really do intend on having a better year, right? I mean, you really want to get in shape. You, you really want to lose weight. But, but what's the problem? I submit to you that you have to do more than just talk about what you're going to do. You have to develop a plan. And most people don't have a plan. And when you don't have a plan, you find that after a little while, you will veer off course. In my other job, I, had a, uh, I am a fugitive detective where I go across the country and I pick up people that violate the law, and I bring them back to the county. So, I'm, so I get an opportunity to share the gospel with people all the time. I just love my job. I just love it. I sit on the airplane, I'm like, get me an anointing oil. And I just slap it all across their head and pray for them. But this one guy I was talking to him. I'm not, not literally slapping across their head. Y'all know I'm just. So I'm, the pastor said, no, I didn't. Okay, I got to qualify things. You just never know. So this one guy, he got such a delightful personality. And he's sitting there, he's going, he's going uh, I, I ain't going to be here no more. Uh, this is it for me. He says, I'm not coming to jail no more. He said, man, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to do better. I'm not coming here. And, I, and I'm, I'm saying, like, yeah, man, that's good. That's good. He says, he says I'm, telling, I'm telling you, you what? You ain't going to see me no more. And I said, okay. I said, okay, that's, that's good. I said, but, uh, and uh, he goes on and, and talk about what he's going to do. And I said, okay, now, now, so what's your plan when you get out of jail? He looked at me like, well, uh, you know, I'm going to do right. No, no, what's your plan? Have, have you figured out that you, know, you do need a job, but who have you talked to? What connections have you made? Where are you going to live when you get out? Who, who are you just, you know, a lot of them, they'll just get out and they're just going to knock on who, whoever will let them in. There, no plan. And, uh, and, and everybody who knows anything about their profession, there's a, there's a, a whole lot of them that just kind of recycle through the system. And a lot of times they do that because some of them, they just, you know, they just need help. But there are, there are some, a large portion of them, they have not developed a plan for success on how to stay out of jail. You see, one of the things that I want to talk to you believers, you sanctified Holy Ghost field believers that just got it all together that you just walk place and you look at people and they just fall over because you're so anointed. I want to talk to you. Because you know sometimes when we get become coming to the kingdom we, we tend to I don't know what it is we, we, we tend to think that we just are exempt from a lot of things that other people have to deal with. For example I'm going to eat this big pound of chocolate cake, double chocolate cake and I'm just going to believe God. That he's gonna take the calories away. Or I'm just going to, I can just go and just spin and spin, and I can just get in debt and don't worry, don't have to worry about any. I don't have to have a plan because the Lord said he was going to provide for me. And you know, and we really think that sounds kind of cute because you know, because you know, people mess up. Boy, we're quick to throw it on the Lord. Oh, the the, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And in actuality, it 's not just it 's not that it is the fact that that, that's, that oftentimes we just kind of think and that, that we are to abandon our ability to think reason and to formulate a plan. God is a planner now, I want you to hear me very closely. God created the heavens and the earth. the Bible says that he created the the light and he separated it from day and you know, he created the animals and, you know, he uh, made man. And, you know, when God did all that, he didn't just wake up one morning and say, I'm just going to start, you know, just haphazardly just doing stuff. Everything that God does is purpose. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. Everything that God does, he does With a purpose. Every move that he makes in your life, it was planned. You ever hear people say that it's all a part of God's plan? We don't always like that plan. But what they're really saying is that God had always, God is not surprised by the things that happen in our life. We get surprised by the things that happen in our life. The Bible also says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Now, what does that mean? In the fullness of time. That means that God had already figured out way before Jesus came exactly when he wanted him to show up. God had a plan. God had a plan. Your God and my God is a planner. He says before the foundations of the earth that he predestined us. In other words, before you even came on the earth, God had predetermined before you were born where your boundaries were going to be. He had already predetermined that, that 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 he was going to choose you. You want to know? like you know, how many of you are going to ask God, like, why did you choose me? I always say, Lord, why me? Why did you choose me? God has always had a plan. Now, why is that significant? Because the Bible says that you and I were made in the image of God. So in other words, God made us human beings to be creative, to be smart to be able to to change our environment by the way that we think and and create stuff. And and if God was to somehow forfeit uh, uh, the very blessing of making us in his image, then, you know, if he just took our our ability to make a plan and and to reason and to think, we're, we're giving up the best part of who God made us to be. God expects us to have a plan. People say, I want to get out of debt. People say, I want to have a great marriage. People say, hey, uh, you know, we, we, we're good at, you know, in our society. Well, you know, I want, to, I want to send my kids off to school. Well, how many know if you're going to send your kids off to school, you better come up with some kind of plan on how you're going to pay for it? Well, I, I, I ain't going to worry about it. I'm just trusting the Lord. You better get a plan. I'm just trusting the Lord that somehow that I don't have to go and look for the job. God don't just bring it into me. You better develop a plan of action because our God is a planner and he expects us to use his brain. You know, the, the, I, I, I love computers, but, you know, they say, you know, the, 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 the Cadillac of computers is a Mac. Yeah. Um, but but in reality, this is the best computer every, uh, ever made right here. How many of us waste this? Because we're too lazy to think. And I'm and I believe that the television, I believe that the video games and all those things that if you're not careful, they will just suck out the creativity that God has put in you. Just, just drown it out. And so God expects you and me to have a plan. So we've been talking about a fresh start. So there's no way to have a fresh start. Another no real good way to have a fresh start, then first you got to say, okay, Lord, I can't, I'm not doing this talk about how I'm going to be better this year. I'm going to develop a plan for success. I'm not going to just go and wing it and hope. Many people hope for the best, but you should plan for the best. It's okay to hope, but you better have a plan. Because God only moves in, li- in the lives of people who are moving I've heard people say to me, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. So therefore, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing and wait for God to show me what my gift is. Excuse me? That ain't how it works. I discovered my gift because I did what he told me to do. I served. I served. And in my serving and in my doing something, in other words, I have a course of action. God revealed things to me in my life on where he wanted me. Now, let's look at some some scripture here to back this up. Now, in this particular passage of scripture, in Luke chapter number 14, he is no doubt talking here about salvation. He's talking about salvation and about being disciple. But But embedded in that passage of scripture is a truth that is very, very relevant to what we're talking about this morning. He says, now, which of you intending to build a tower will not first consider whether or not you have the resources to finish it? How many of you have ever had a house built from the ground ground up? So you, you all know what I'm talking about. Builders don't just go to, listen, I, I've never been a builder, but I can tell you I'm pretty sure of this. They don't just go gather up material and then just start building and say, we'll see what it look like as we build. Do they? What they do is they got a plan, they go see an engineer, an architect, or whoever it is, they sit down and they write the blueprints and they say, okay, I want my bathroom here, I want my kitchen here, I want my big screen TV where I can get the NFL package right here right here. This is what I want. I want my little private space, my getaway. I want it all. In other words, but before they build a house, they already know in their minds what it's supposed to look like. They've already figured out. They're not like winging it like, "Okay, we're just going to see, guys, what happened. They have already figured out exactly what it is they want. They know the cost. I mean, you, you know, for folks who, who who've done that, you know, you may Find yourself in a situation where you, you, know, you, you get a brand new house, because my house, i would never had one built from scratch, or built up, but I've heard other people who had this problem. You know, and I hear them say, man, I'm going to build me a house, and, and, and I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. And you know, when you first, now I remember my wife, my wife and I, we did go to look at a new house once. And 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 they started talking about the price of it, and, uh, and and you know I had in my mind what we wanted, and we walked in, and you know they always get show you the 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 the, the, the floor, everything is like the, the bare minimum, the cheap stuff. So you get in there, and you, they say, well you can upgrade, you, I can upgrade it. That oh really? Oh yeah. you can upgrade this. Oh I can up- Oh great great great. Then they said, well that's gonna cost you more. Before you know it, the price has jumped up twenty thousand. Then you're like, wait a minute, I I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and, and you have to pull back because you realize I, I, I could not afford that. How many believers just kind of live their life like that? They don't have a plan and they just kind of winging it and hoping that somehow it's just going to work out just fine. He says the same thing about the military in that passage of scripture in Luke chapter 14. He gives a military analogy. We got some military folks in here. Uh, talks about A man going to war, a king who goes to make war with another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. I remember years ago when I watched Colin Powell in the first Gulf War. I'll never forget it. I've never been a military buff. But boy, he really impressed me because he was standing there and he was talking about how he was going to defeat the enemy. Now, I thought with war, everything I ever see on TV usually, You get on your side, I get on my side, and then we just go at it. I'm like, whoever, best man, whoever left standing wins. But Colin Powell started talking about, okay, he started talking about terrain. He started talking about the people and what kind of people they are. He started talking about the the way that they were going to attack, how many people he's going to have on this side, how he was going to cut out their communication, and he's doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I never knew that there was that much that went into fighting a war. But but, what you, but, 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 but but what you see in that and what I believe the Lord is letting us know is that we got to count the cost. We got to we got to understand what it is that we're getting into. We in other words, we have to and God expects us to come up with some kind of plan. Even in your walk with God, what is your plan for spiritual maturity? What, is, what are your spiritual goals for this year? How do you intend on, okay, I know I need to be a better person. I know I need to love more. I need to forgive more. Okay, great. Everybody knows that, but how are you going to do that? What's your plan? How are you going to get from here to where God wants you to be? Jesus even said it in this passage. He says, if you want to be my disciple, it's going to cost you everything. You got to count the cost. It's going to cost you everything. You got to consider, I mean, just being a disciple and following Jesus, it's it's going to cost you something. You've got to think about it. Okay, what is this going to cost me? Am I really wanting to go and, and do this, understanding what this all really means for my life? How I many of oh, God has come to take over your life? He didn't come to be a part of your life. So we must count the cost. A wise man once said, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. He who fails to plan, plans to fail. I had said before uh, that uh, in a previous message how it's so easy for all of us. All of us have to deal with this. It's much easier for us to just make decisions and do stuff without really taking the time and pray about it like we should. Because it's something about prayer that sometimes you just have to labor in prayer. And every time you go pray, you know, you always hear God saying, take your time. Take your time. You need to wait on this. And, and do we like to wait? We, we live in a generation today. Nobody want to wait for anything. If you get in the McDonald's line and, and they make you wait two extra minutes, you, about, you are about ready to get out of the car and go complain to the manager because they did not go fast enough for you. We're living in a society today where everything is just hurried, 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 hurried. Hurried, 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 hurried. And, and, and because it's much, much easier just to do that than to sit back and say, okay, God, I, I need you to show me what it is that you want me to do. Because God, God will show you what he wants you to do as you make the time to be in his presence. How does a person become really spiritually sharp where they can hear God best? The person that spends more time in God's presence more, the more able you're going to hear his voice. The less time you spend in his presence, the less able you're going to be able to hear his voice. And uh, you're probably going to make more mistakes the less time you spend in prayer and in meditation before God. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. So let's look at a couple of other scripture verses. and We're not going to be too long. Look at um, Proverbs. Look at Proverbs, I believe, chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number three. Watch this. And it reads, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So now we're going to give you some biblical context. Now, understand this. Watch this. He says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans. Your plans will succeed. So, so understand. So the first thing is we got to make sure that what we are doing are inspired or is inspired by God. So the work that I'm doing, whatever I'm doing, if you're a good believer, if you're a good Christian, everybody say good Christian. If you're a good Christian, you're going to take whatever it is you're doing and you're going to pray about it. And first, you want to make sure that it's consistent with God's word and that you're you're committing it to the Lord, But look at the second part of the verse. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So he presupposes that you're going to have a plan. He says, first, you need to commit what you're doing, commit it to the Lord, and then your plans will succeed. So God is saying there that uh, you're supposed to have a plan. You're supposed to have a plan. What what is what is what is your plan? Well, I want to start this business. Well, what is your plan? How how are you going to get there? Well, I just know that God just called me to do it. Okay, God's called us to do a whole lot of things. But what is your plan? How, How are you going to get there? So we commit the work to the Lord and God automatically assumes that we're going to have a plan of action. The context here is that God blesses a plan. Not wishful thinking, but a plan. Look at Proverbs sixteen nine. Proverbs sixteen nine says this: We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, how many know that God is sovereign over everything? How many of you have made plans in your life, right? You've made plans, and you really thought that this was the way it's supposed to go, and then God just did it completely different. I mean, he might have worked it out for you, but he didn't do it nothing like you thought, right? How many of you, how many of you have gotten a little bit upset about it because you didn't go out go as you planned? Understand that God is sovereign, right? Now, the beauty of this is that the Bible says that everything that God does for us is for our good. He loves us. And the reality of it is, is we don't hear God as well as we should. I hear people all the time. They're telling me all the time. God told me. God told me. God told me. But boy, I tell you, if, if, if God really operate the way people say that God operate, I would think God is crazy, and schizophrenic. I mean, because some people say God said, I'm like, God said that what? But he just told you this thing. So is God confused? I mean, no, God ain't confused about what he, what he says or what he does. But so we understand that that God is sovereign. So here, here's, what, here's what we do. We formulate a plan, but understand that God reserve all rights to come and change your plans. And sometimes he does. Sometimes you'll come and change your plans because what you have planned is not the best way to bring about what God wants to bring about in your life. And so He may just redirect you a little bit. He may just shift, the, shift your plan a little bit. But, but that's okay. Your plan got to be flexible because here's what we're always saying. Here's what we're always saying Lord, I want your will to be done. If you're a good Christian, you're saying, Lord, I don't want what's best for me per se. I want what you want. So, God, this is my plan. Here's my plan, Lord. Uh, 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 but, Lord, you do whatever it is you want to do. You remember Jesus? What did Jesus say right before he died on the cross? He says, Father, if it be possible, take, let this cup pass from me. He says, take this cup. I mean, I, 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 really, I really would like for you to do this another way, Jesus, God. This is Jesus talking to the Father right before he died on the cross. He says, if it's possible. I love that verse because it tells me that he was human and he was going through it. He was feeling pain. And he says, if it's possible, would you please let this cup pass on me? But then he says something else on the back end of that. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Wow. You see, we have to be committed to his will. Now, that does not, because we know God is sovereign, that does not negate our responsibility to still have a plan. Because some would say, well, I don't need to have a plan. I just believe God. That really sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Well, I don't, I don't need a plan God, God. God will direct me. hmm hmm But if you look at the pattern in the, in the scripture, you know, God, God, God blesses those that are, that has a plan of action. So he, we understand that he's sovereign. He's still Lord and that he can change our plans at any moment. And that's OK. We welcome that because we want to make sure that we're in the will of God. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says this. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And I really think that this particular passage of scripture was really dealing with those that are that are outside of the kingdom. Because, you know, a lot of people have plans, right? I mean, our nation have plans. Nations have plans and, 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 and people who do not know God, they all have a plan, right? They all think that they can live independently of God, and, and we think that somehow that, that, that we, can def- we can override the will of God as a people, as a country. How many know that ultimately God's will is going to prevail in the world? So what God is saying here is that you can make your plans, but you got to understand that ultimately what I purpose in the earth shall come to pass. And I really believe that this was a message to those who are outside of the kingdom of God who have decided that they can do it alone and they can do it without God. But those of us who are believers and we love the Lord, we automatically are submitted to him and, and, and we want God's plan. We want God's will to be alive and working in our lives. We want that to happen. So look at the neighbor and say, have you got a plan? Look at your neighbor again and say, are you thinking about a plan? I'm going to help you. <laughs> so we got to have a plan. We got to have a plan. Now, let's, give you, let's look at some benefits and then we're going to be done. Look at some benefits. This won't take but a couple more minutes and we'll be finished. Benefits to having a plan. Number one, you have confidence in what you're doing. How many do you know that a good plan gives you a degree of confidence? When I have a plan, when I sit down and I've thought things through, And I've figured out, okay, what are the pros and cons of what I am about to do? So when you have a plan, you tend to have more confidence, and you're not afraid to make a decision because you've thought it through. The second point is that you're going to get better productivity. You know why you get better productivity? Because you plan to get better productivity. And so when you have a plan, it tends to give you better productivity because you thought it out, you looked at the pros and cons, and you recognize that what it is that you need to do. What number is that? Number three, having a plan, it lessens confusion in your life. How do you know the Bible said the devil is the author of confusion? And any time where there's a lot of confusion, you know that that's the breeding ground for Satan to work. It's a breeding ground. So when we have a plan, we, we, it, it lessens confusion in our lives. The fourth point, others are attracted to and will buy into a plan. I remember when I first uh, – anybody starting a business in here, you, you know, business? Well, you know, I mean, you got a ministry, but – oh, you can, you can speak to this. But, you know, people – People get on board and they get excited when you have a plan of action. If they're going to buy into what you're doing, you're asking them to give into it, to sow into it. When we want to get money from corporations and companies, they want to know some stuff. They don't want to just hand out money, right? They want to figure out what what are you doing. In other words, we want to have some understanding before we commit to you that, that you're going to be doing the right thing with this. So can you show us something? Show us a plan. So when we have a plan, let me you know that others buy into it. And for your marriage, it even works in your marriage too. Cause your spouse buy into you more when you got a plan. Isn't that right man. That's right, come on. You know, nothing you know, you know, our wives, they like to feel secure. They like to feel like I'm covered. They like to have it their way too, but they like when they wanna feel like they're covered, they wanna feel like, you know, you know, when things get really bad, I can look at my look at my man here. He he got my back. He got a plan. I know he got a plan. He's gonna take care of it. I mean, you wild like that security blanket? Come on, you know you like that security. You like that. You like it. You know, you know your husband got a plan. And the, the honey, when stuff go wrong in the house, my wife she come up. She call me. Don't matter what I'm doing. I could be in the middle of an interrogation. Hey, I need to. What we gonna do about this? Oh. And you know, and every single time I just I just try to reassure her that hey, it's gonna be all right. Well, well honey, you need to help and come home because the kids like they, they, they're taking them off. <laughs> okay, baby, it's gonna be okay. We got it, we'll take care of it. And suddenly she just feels a little bit better because 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 she knows I got some kind of plan of action on how to deal with the problem. So when you have a plan. Other people kind of buy into it. It makes everything in your life just that much more better. This is a good one. Number five, you have a plan. Watch this. It'll minimize stress in your life. You know, a lot of stress comes from your life. A lot of it has to do with the uncertainty. I just don't know how it's going to turn out. <laughs> Honey, do you know? I don't know. Do you know, oh, I don't know. And when you don't have a plan, you're more prone to make impulsive decisions. And if you're anything like me, I've made some impulsive decisions in my life. And every time i made some impulsive decisions, it's come back to bite me. But I've discovered that if I have a plan, then I stay within the context of that plan. See, See, a lot of people don't want a plan. They don't like plans because it restricts them. Uh Uh-oh. And how many of you like to be restricted? (laughs) But it's in your restriction that's going to make you free. You follow me? A lot of people don't. For example, same thing with authority. People don't like authority, but authority is there to protect you. And when you go outside of it, it will hurt you. You know, soldiers, they may not, in the the military, they may not, you guys can talk, but, you know, you may not necessarily personally like your, captain, your sergeant, or whatever your military language is, but, but you like having that kind of a, that rank structure. They like structure. They like it. Because it minimizes stress. Because when you don't have a plan, you know, the, the, the stress meter goes way up. Because everybody is just winging it. And we're going to figure it out as we go. I mean, you know, it ain't no fun in just trying to figure it out as you go, brother. You better sit down and let's talk about this. Well, I'm going to buy me a big old, a big old uh, Jaguar. That's my car of choice, a Jaguar. Well, if you want a Jaguar, you better figure out how to pay for a Jaguar. Well, oh, I'm just going to believe God. God gotta take care of that for me. See, so I'm trying to save you from presumption. There's a lot of people that presume that God is going to do something when God said, wait a minute. And then we get mad at God when it don't turn out the way we want it to turn out. We get angry at God. God, God you said, God said, no, wait a minute. You don't want to just jump up there and did that. You didn't really, you didn't, you, you didn't come up with a plan. You, I, you know, you just kind of just ignored my word and you just kind of did this. And now you want to get angry at me. And sometimes I'm, I'm going to fix you, God. I ain't going to come to church. <laughs> I ain't going to serve God. I ain't coming. Church, because you, you let this happen to me we get ourselves in a hole and, and then it's all God's fault and in reality it's our fault because we didn't do what we were supposed to do in developing a plan number six we only got seven these and we're done this is a little early day, isn't it is this a little early hey amen is this a little early y'all to get a pastor you know say give me, some, give me a gift take me to dinner or something I'm blessing y'all today this is good Uh, When you have a plan, you're better prepared for things that are to come. You're better prepared because you thought about not only the pros, but you thought about the cons. What if it doesn't work out the way I want it to? Well, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about if it doesn't. It's going to work. You know, you need to think about all sides of it. What? Just what if? Because, remember, you don't hear perfectly. I don't care how many people tell me they can hear God. Everybody can hear God to an extent. (laughs) But you don't hear perfectly enough to get it right all the time. And just in case you didn't hear perfectly, then you better think about what if it doesn't turn out the way that I had planned. Then what's my next course of action? See, this is a a very, very practical message. And it will help you if you listen to it. And lastly... The surprises won't be a surprise. The surprises won't be so much of a surprise. Now, there's still going to be those times when things are going to happen that is going to kind of catch you by surprise, but they're going to be minimal because you thought about all the pros and cons. And so we understand. So here's what we learned to sum it up. We, we learned that, that, that God expects us to have a plan and that God blesses people who have a plan. So if you're saying this year that you're going to have a better year, I want to encourage you to don't just say I'm going to have a better year, but figure out how, and just get a pen and paper and sit down. If you're married, sit down with your spouse. If if you're in debt, don't just hope that God's just going to give you some money out of the sky. Because chances are He ain't going to just rain it down on you like that. I tried that; it ain't work yet. <laughs> okay, let me spare you. I, right, Lord, will you please just drop it? You know, just just let me be walking down the street. Let me find a million or two, God. Just, you, you can do it. It don't work that way. God doesn't work that way. God, you know, God want us to work and God wants us to plan. And he expects you and me to have a plan. God blesses a plan. So if, if you want to have a, a, if you're going to lose weight and you want to be healthy, then how are you going to do it? How many days a week are you going to do it? What time are you going to do it? How are you going to eat? When are you going to eat? Well, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to lose the weight. Good luck with that because it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So we have to have a plan. People come to me sometimes, and I always ask them, and they come and I say to them, you know, they, they, they keep getting in trouble. And I always say to them, okay, um, um, because I believe that the church should be a, a place that empowers people, right? Because we don't want to help people to continue on down a pathway that is destructive, right? So one of the things I'm always asking people is, okay. We'll, we'll help you, but let me ask you a question. What, what, what's your plan? What, what are you going to do next? What, what are you doing? Can you kind of show me, like, what, what you got? What you doing? Well, uh, no, we can't, we, can't, we can't help you do that. We, we can't. We can't. We got to. We, we, we want to get you empowered so you can believe a charter course of success for your life. Amen? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.